People can save planets or wreck them. That's the choice. Be the best of humanity. Oh. Ball to open. Ball to open. Yes, and what do you do? Usually nothing. I say usually. And I am going to sit over there for three hours, then... Relax. Here comes the drums! So here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, here come the drums. Hello, and welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, the entire television program, in random order. I'm Pete Paschal. And I'm Chris Taylor, and we are a couple of time travelers uh, masquerading as human. Uh, with just one heart, but here we are in the heart of Doctor Who, in the heart of the Codex, our list of Doctor Who stories, and we are going through them with the help of the randomizer, which is a good thing because we would never have picked the place that we've gone to <laughs> this week with the randomizer's help. Pete, give us a previously on. Yeah, previously on. <laughs> open. Wow. I guess I should have picked that up at the mid-sentence, but no. <laughs> We've been no. to a lot of places, guys, uh, and recently, many doctors. So we were at three episodes ago and dinosaurs on a spaceship, lots That's of dinosaurs right. on spaceships. Well, one. Yeah. And uh, it was a Matt Smith uh, gang episode, one of the first gang episodes. Gangs That's would right. come to be part of that era and perhaps even the era after. Um, but we didn't spend too much time in that spaceship. We were rocketed back into the classic series, the John Pertwee era, his first season with the master. And it was the second story there in the mind of evil, which yes. I had never seen in color. Yeah. Me neither. And it was uh, back when the doctor had a fam, he liked to call unit. Hmm. Unit multitasking in that episode, shall we say, <laughs> uh, masterfully, if I may. Also, That's right. Ooh, Doing it live. Um, but then we jumped forward just a little bit to the Tom Baker era and mm. to a very meaningful episode for one Chris Taylor, I understand. That's it right. Was, uh, Destiny of the Daleks. Yeah, go go listen to that episode, folks, because we have much more to say <laughs> about that. Uh, Destiny of the Daleks, very, very important episode for you. Also set in a quarry, however, and that meant that at the end of last week's Pull to Open, Pete asked the randomizer for another quarry episode, and Pete where did it take us? It answered me. It has been answering me a lot lately. It's been pretty direct. It took us to Series 12, Episode 3, Orphan 55. I think it's sort of answering us uh, alternately, basically. Because for, for me, I asked for more Tom Baker. It took us to Destiny of the Daleks. You asked for a quarry. It took you to Orphan 55. So now, I've got to be really careful about what I asked for this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, is this the randomizer actually getting better at hearing us or are we mm. more in tune with the randomizer and now can kind of mm. get a little bit of head of what it might actually serve us i don't know perhaps we're both i don't up know right. i have a number of reasons why the randomizer took us here but we will get there yeah uh we will get there but it is it is i i guess it's kind of nice to be sort of doing this uh, uh, talking about Whitaker at kind of a, an episode at a time every so often. We were last in the Whitaker era for Revolution of the Daleks. We had yeah, th some things to say there about the end of the fam. We've had things mm -hmm. to say about the Witchfinders and Rosa. 
Um, and it's yeah. been it's been an interesting way because we know that with the Whitagero, we all need to just take a breath and sit down and rewatch this stuff and see if it gets better on a second viewing. And I'm not going to spoil you <laughs> as to what happened <laughs> on this second viewing. <laughs> but suffice to say that my uh, judgment of this particular episode has not changed. Um, yeah, the the it's funny the Whitaker, the the randomizer avoided the Whitaker error for the longest time. Like we started mm-hmm. out when the podcast was not yet random. Series twelve, it's funny. Series twelve was just being broadcast. Yes, and this is not one of the episodes we talked about because we were talking about fairly current episodes. Then we were we talking about Spyfall, but I will say just to correct you there, Pete, because pull to open is all about being corrected when we're wrong. Uh, I did say one thing about Orphan 55 that I think is the reason the randomizer brought us here. I said that in the future, when Doctor Who is written entirely by AI, uh, (laughs) this this is the kind of thing we're going to get. When AI has been trained on Doctor Who, uh, this, you know, Orphan 55 is kind of going to be the result. It feels like that sort of AI written script thing. Now, at the time... That's, this that's is what masterful commentary. I'm just because I want to say podcast over right now because yeah. it's like <laughs> it actually really sums it up really well. But anyway, but the, at the time there was it was sort of the AI chatbots that we're now currently dealing with. Right. You know, ChatGPT, you know, Bing and uh, Bard and all of that stuff that is really you know heating up Silicon Valley right now. That we weren't looking at that then. We were we were just looking at like you know people would like train large language models to to basically auto predict words so they could write scripts and they would, it would just right. be this hilarious thing you'd see it on twitter someone write an ai driven episode of seinfeld right so that's what i had in mind then the randomizer has taken us here to <laughs> reconsider that opinion <laughs> right at the height of the the new ai chatbot right. craze so i i think you're at fault for asking for a query i think i'm at fault for describing this as a a story written by ai i think the randomizer is like oh you like ai you've been writing lots of stories about it in your journalism career um <laughs> let's go to that episode you mentioned maybe the randomizer is more than a little ai focused itself oh wow i love it a uh, mm. conflagration of uh things coming together here uh, mm. for us to revise our thinking on orphan 55 perhaps <laughs> or not <laughs> But before we do that, uh, we are going to jump into what we like to call the pull to open feedback loop, where we talk about all the commentary about the podcast and have a little bit of a conversation, so to speak, with you guys, the fans. So for starters, if you want to go check out the show notes and you can start playing pull to open bingo. There's a bingo Mm. card that we link to in every episode that one of our loyal followers, Joe, who goes by the chosen one on Twitter, uh, developed for us. And it's got all of our ratings. So if you, <laughs> well, actually it doesn't have all of our ratings because we have a new rating system. So <laughs> it, <laughs> it has four out of our five ratings. Yeah. Four of our five ratings. There are, you know, you could stamp off things for when we blat- say something blatantly wrong without correction, but I've been corrected on that one. So you, whatever <laughs> I said about us not talking about it, has already been corrected. Uh, but something will probably come up in the next hour or so, guys. So Guaranteed. But check out the bingo card. It's super fun uh, to check out. And while you're doing that, why not pause the playback of the podcast so you give it, have, can put, put all of your attention on reviewing the podcast? Because, guys, 
We love reviews. And reviews are a great way to show your support for the podcast, uh, particularly if you are listening on Apple or uh, listening on an iPhone. Even if you don't listen on Apple, check out the Apple Podcast app. They allow reviews. You can go in there, leave a one-word review, a two-word review, a 500-word review. It really doesn't matter, but whatever you leave, uh, we would just love it if you would do that and possibly even leave a star rating. Maybe I'm thinking about five stars for some reason. Five stars Um, are the right amount of stars it just feels good to me indeed and and while you're thinking of stars also think of emoji emoji doctor who titles which uh, is something that we regularly have on the show listeners try to stump me effectively through pete reading me the emoji title <laughs> uh, describing the emoji to me um and uh, and i was completely stumped last week uh, we both pete, were. did we we both were by the number 42 uh, uh, a couple of uh, characters bowing and a, and a shuffle icon in between them. Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, you were right. And I had to go right to the source on this one. So mm. <laughs> I actually went right back to the person who left uh, the emoji titles and actually sent them on Twitter. Also a thing you can do at Pull2Open63 on Twitter. Nice. And uh, it was Bob, Bob Gilby. Mm-hmm. And he uh, gave me the answer key. <laughs> and we were right. I guessed it during our guesses. I wasn't confident in the guess, but it's four to doomsday. How ah. is that four to doomsday? How is the four to blonde woman shuffle, a uh, blonde woman bowing shuffle, and then uh, brunette guy right. bowing? How, what is, how does that four to doomsday? So the four, four to doomsday, so four to so you got that. Mm-hmm, That's easy. Mm-hmm, but why yes. is the, the other three doomsday? Well, this is basically, in his mind, this is Rose and the Doctor separated by a wall. Okay. And that's like the shuffle thing is kind oh, of like switched universes. And it's, it's not bowing. They're like up against the walls on each side of the primary right. world. That is, I like that. That is deep. That is many layers of Doctor Who nerdery deep. Uh, because he's, yeah. he's inadvertently given us Doomsday. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's the codex too. I By love the way, it. Every one of these emoji uh, titles goes into our codex, guys. So watch for them now. Yeah, that is that is very clever. Okay, I like it. Like, well done, Bob. Congratulations. Right. Uh, you two can stump me. And do we have any emoji titles this week? We do. <laughs> in fact we have some more from bob he gave us a lot okay bob we'll close them out this week so are you ready sir yes three emoji titles first one uh it's a lot of emojis i, I can't even count there's so many i could barely count them but <laughs> a lot of them are the same emoji so i'm just going to uh it should be easy to get through so first mm-hmm. emoji hospital okay second emoji crescent moon okay and the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth goes to about the twentieth emoji. There's there's basically another fifteen to twenty emojis, and they are all the city skyline. A city ah. skyline. Hospital city. The moon is confusing me slightly, but it's making me think that it's it's not it's not set on Earth. Hmm. So maybe it's set on New hmm. Earth. Mm. And maybe it is gridlock. Is it gridlock? It, you actually said it already. It's New Earth. New, oh, it's New Earth. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I was, I was going further. 
<laughs> the moon threw me a little bit, but I think there might be something in. Uh, I can't. I haven't seen New Earth in forever. Maybe they prefer mm. to the moon a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, it's New Earth because of the hospital. Remember, there, there was like the the hospital was in the. That's where they went. That was right. The, they went with the cat nurses and stuff like that. Wasn't there also a hospital in in Gridlock though? Isn't the face a bow in that? Uh, in the yeah, hospital. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So it, it was the be- city thing that's making me think like that's we're clearly in the city, right? You know, and um, yeah, the, the utter urbanization of everything. Yeah, maybe maybe with the the one. you'd need like a singing emoji in the middle of that, or a, yeah, you know, cat singing. Yeah. Em- <laughs> oh yeah, maybe if there was a cat in this one. Well, actually, yeah. there's cats in Gridlock too, though. Right, so, right. So. Well, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, we got the location. <laughs> okay. We got the story series. Okay. All right. Second one. You ready? You ready? Okay. First emoji. Uh, two loops of rope in a knot, mm-hmm. basically sort of being wrapped around each other. Yep. Then there is uh, a landscape emoji with a mountain, trees, uh, some water. And the third emoji is a musical note. Uh, gotta be, gotta be River Song. Uh, is it? It's gotta be the husbands of River Song. If it's mm-hmm. the knot, right? They're the tying knot. the tying the knot. Tying the knot is also a uh, the, what, the wedding wedding of River Song. It could be. It could be. Either, yes, <laughs> it was gonna be wedding or husband. Uh, husbands. I suppose it can be. I, I think tying the knot is pretty clearly like it's at the wedding, you know. So <laughs> I like that with both of these, I've kind of glanced off the actual answer into <laughs> an adjacent story. <laughs> like a poor marksman, you keep missing the target. <laughs> but I do hit the target. I, I glance off into a sequel. That's how. That's where my brain goes. All right. This is- <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll say. We'll say. You know, those are both successes. <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> Make it up for the port of doomsday. Okay, so next one. This yes. one's real quick. Two emojis. So the first one is mute. So there's a speaker with sort of a yes. line through it. Yes. And the second one is books. Three, the three books stacked. The three books. So it's a stack of books. So it's a library. So it's got to be silence in the library. There it is. Hey. Got it. First try. <laughs> Oh, thanks I'm... for playing, Chris. You get a nice <laughs> copy of our home game along with whatever else you've, all the no prizes you've won. Great Thank job. You. Three for three, sort of. Like, I feel <laughs> like the getting getting the sequels, getting the sequels yeah. on the foot, that should be like extra credit. Ah, all right, sure. I was going <laughs> yeah. to dock you a point <laughs> for, for not I... settling on the actual ones. You say dock me a point, I say add two points. I say my score is five out of three. All right. Well, folks, <laughs> these emoji reviews that we're trying to stump Chris with could be yours. If all you have to do is leave them in a review uh, or a tweet or a TikTok comment or wherever else you find pull to open. And again, they go right to the codex. The codex, of course, is our spreadsheet full of every single televised episode of Doctor Who in sequential order. <laughs> Weird. And uh, these all go there, and you'll get credit for it as well. Moving on in the feedback loop. If you're listening to us on Spotify, hey, I know you're like, I wish I could just review. I'm probably on an Android phone. I wish I could review you in the Apple podcast app. I don't really have it. You know what? You can leave a rating. 
yeah. on the mobile app. You can go to Pull to Open and rate the show. So please go ahead and do that. It's another star rating. I don't think I need to tell you how many stars is probably the one that is is best suited for Pull to Open, but I leave that up to you, listener. Uh, but also, we are doing our... Um, uh, we're, 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 when we rate the show, you can also... <laughs> when we rate you the can, episode we're talking about you can also have your voice that's what i was looking for too many right. ratings I'm, I'm juggling in this segment too but, many ratings too many bingo cards it's right. a problem with pull to in open. addition to rating pull to open we talk about obviously doctor who episodes every time we give it like our rating we have our 5.5 level rating you will have your voice as well uh so you can leave it in our polls and uh we we, we can discuss the results which i can mm-hmm. do right here so for the mind of evil, let me oh, I'm sorry, about this. look them up now. So with mind of evil, the poll's been out for mind of evil, a week. By the way, we, we both rated that uh, uh, Professor Haters, as, as I recall. Is that right? Um, we both rated that. Yeah, it was a, it was a double oh, hater. Did you yeah, give it right. an ogron? Yeah, double header, double header. Uh, no, didn't do the ogron. So and by the way, with these polls, mm. um. Uh, we've made the call to keep them open perpetually uh, going forward. And we'll probably oh. go back and reopen the ones that we've had before. Because, uh, you know, I know people discover the podcast, go back and binge listen. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take away anyone's ability to then have their say. So even though some of the polls are closed, we'll look at reopening them, giving them a, a much an end date in the far future. Perhaps the Davros era is when we'll finally close all the polls. <laughs> um <laughs> And then you know, and then that'll be it. That'll be all the ratings. But no, you just yeah. go, go ahead, go to go to all the episodes that you can. Assuming you're listening to this in the far future, so and there's still time. Oh. There's still time to unviking yeah. banger uh, waters of Mars, should you so desire. Oh wow, don't do that. But <laughs> go ahead and rate the mind of evil, like the several people who have done so already. And right now, ooh, it's a tie. Whoa! I can't believe it. There is a tie with Professor Hater and a Dalek. What? Uh, a neck and neck. That's impressive. What? Wow. And Man, my money's on the hater. Some of the audience, at least uh, almost 20% of the audience, says it's a Viscount banger. One of the best what? of the best. Wow, and really? Roughly about the same amount, about 17%, says it's an Ogron. So well, a little this, bit of variety this is here. Interesting. It's exciting because, of course, we are at a time when, when Doctor Who magazine is about to do one of its periodic... Um, fan polls. Yeah. They're going to do it a little differently this time. They're going to do each uh, era of the show separately. Um, but it will be interesting to see if this is uh, backed up by that. Is is the Mind of Evil sort of a, a sleeper hit that uh, a lot of people are getting into? Um, that uh, yeah, you know we, we've sort of not not noticed before. Has the colorization really turned people onto it? Who knows? Yeah. So so well, keep voting, folks. Dive, if you want, if you're really nostalgic for Unit, there's a lot here. Yeah. And so I could definitely see people liking it. And, you know, if you like the to go deep on the sort of philosophical stuff about evil people and this thing sort of taking their impulses and becoming yes. this repository of evil, that's, you know. If, if you'd like to go deep on that stuff, have a conversation about it after the story, because the story sure as hell doesn't. Um, but anyway, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Mind of Evil fans, <laughs> revealing a bit of my uh, bias there. But that's okay. Uh, but yeah, keep right. voting. Keep voting on Spotify. And uh, keep subscribing on YouTube. How about yeah, that? Keep, 
Check us out, youtube.com slash pull to open. All of our episodes are there now. Every single episode of Pull to Open, uh, plus our short videos. Um, we have more than 600 subscribers there. We would love it if everyone listening to the podcast now on whatever podcast app you have, also go to YouTube, subscribe there. It's really helping the show. We're really aiming to get 1,000 subscribers, and we want to get there before summer. So please subscribe on YouTube. You get to see everything. Plus, you get to see us. And hey, we've got lots of great commenters there as well. So check it out. Um, but obviously, the, all the the good stuff, lots of good stuff is happening on pull on pull to open. Yes, it's all happening on pull to open. It's happening on TikTok, <laughs> where our handle is pull to open. So soon to be called pull to open when we when we take it over <laughs> when we from the Chinese it. government. Yes, and uh, we had a bunch of videos for the Mind of Evil go up this past week. And we have really good commenters on TikTok and among our 10,000 followers who are really uh, loyal to the show. Thanks, guys. And for our TikTok comment of the week, uh, it's the same guy who left us our uh, bingo card. It's the Joseph yes. one. He had a great thing to say about the bit about the master's insecurity and his fear of the doctor. And where you know his fear is essentially the doctor humiliating him towering over him yes and joe says this the doctor floating over the master is referenced in the last of the time lords randomizer mm -hmm. connection he didn't talk about and i was like oh mm -hmm. he's right you know at the end of yeah. um last of the time lords you know the doctor comes out of his little bobby <laughs> dobby doctor persona and he gets all sort of messianic and he's towering over him and it's it's kind of the real world equivalent of that scene, even though he's not laughing mm. at him, you know, obviously. He's not laughing, and he's also not large. He is floating above him. Right. So well, is, mean, is that RTD deliberately making a Mind of Evil reference? I, uh, I, I wouldn't I, put it past him. Yeah. Not, I, I mean, not large, he, no, yeah. but it's like, it's still like a similar idea, but it's also like flipping the master's expectation on its head, which I like. Yes. Which is that he thinks the doctor is going to be, you know, mean to him and but instead of course he comes in and just sort of hugs him and says i forgive you um yeah yeah it is sort of the the master's greatest fear is the the doctor ascendant the, the doctor triumphant the doctor right. victorious if you will uh to make another randomizer connection to the wars of mars um and yeah so i i do i do get that it does definitely play into the same thing with the master that you know really zeroes in on what his character is all about the way his character works in opposition to the doctor um and yeah and, and how it's floated back and forth and we've of course we've been to dark water death and heaven where uh you know missy's whole uh, purpose is to give the doctor a present uh to 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 make him evil and and not to you know tower over her as it were morally speaking um so yeah there's there's yeah. definitely a lot to dig into there and still a lot of folks out there don't get what the master is about in in terms of the doctor so yeah these are these are definitely both moments that that help us see that so good point joe thank you yeah so thanks everyone for commenting on tiktok please follow us there at pull to open we're doing lives every time we tape we did just did one before and you know got to show off a little bit of my room here where I've got them all set up for some Whitaker action. Yes. Um, I've even got the TARDIS here because I wanted us to remember what it was like before squids made it in it. 
(laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was sullied from that point on, I guess. I almost forgot about the squids. Thank you. Thanks for reminding me. (laughs) (laughs) You can see the doctor almost like, yeah, you could, you could just keep the TARDIS now. No, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) Returns it to Gallifrey. Like "Mm, I've been running around it for, you know, a couple of centuries, but uh, just, yeah, the squid action is too much. If you can't see all that stuff, guys, and you don't, you're wondering if you're listening on the podcast app and you're wondering what the clunking is, by the way, I'm, I'm having a, having a cuppa right now, my little TARDIS. Cup TARDIS team. So that's all what all the, uh, the sipping and clinking is right in a second. Um, Indeed. All right. Time, time so to clink out of the feedback loop. <laughs> Get out of this feedback loop. I'm, I'm done with this. And sometimes there's other business to talk about. Sometimes when there's Doctor Who news, we like to get into it at this point in the show. You know what? There still isn't. Nothing Nothing yep. we're talking about at this point anyway. I'm nothing that's gone viral. about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be a while before I think it heats up. I think the next development probably will be something to do with Disney+. Plus. Uh, for surprisingly, mm. we we are they announced this whole thing with Disney Plus like last year. Here we are in March, and I'm I'm still watching it on HBO Max. So yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know when the switch nice. is flipping, but hopefully you've got You're a few more months. Nice. I guess have it all in one place and and not have to have two services to watch all over Doctor Who uh, would be nice. But yeah, we still don't know what's happening with that. Yeah. Um, anyway. but. In the meantime, you can set your HBO Max engines to, uh, or your iPlayer engines, if you're listening in the UK, to Orphan 55, which is what we're going to be talking about this week. And we always start off with the part that I am dreading currently this week, Mm -hmm. which is TLDW, Too Long Didn't Watch, or Too Long Doctor Who, or Too Long Don't Watch. Uh, (laughs) Hey, why did did you add that one this week, I wonder? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Too long. Don't. Whitaker. No. Sorry. Don't Whitaker. Sorry, Dr. Whitaker. Do, do. Anyway. Yes. Too long, Dr. It's, Whitaker. It's TLDW, guys. <laughs> and guess who's doing TLDW? If you haven't guessed it already, there's one Chris Taylor. He's got to summarize the story of Orphan 55 in record time. So we allot a full 30 seconds for every classic series episode uh, and for the new series, which this is a part of. We give a full minute for every episode. And that gives Chris one minute, 60 seconds exactly to summarize <laughs> all the things, whether they make sense or not, of <laughs> that happens in Orphan 55. So are you ready, sir? I am. I'm going to try something different this week, which is to have my own stopwatch running at the same time so I can see how oh. much time I have left. Um, Hold it if up. That, if that's allowed under the okay. rules. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's. A, uh, I don't think it's exclusively for your judges. Okay, Davros <laughs> is giving me a thumbs up. I think so. I think we're good. Is he or is he just sort of waving his fingers? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with oh, okay. So go ahead. Okay, all right. This is, this, is, this, is, okay. this is not against the rules. This isn't soccer here. All right, all right, folks. The official pull to open summary of Orphan Fifty Five begins in three, two, one, go. Okay, so the Doctor, Yaz, Graham, 
and Ryan are on board the TARDIS and they've just fought off some squid and they've found, Graham has found a thing that if you put it together, teleports you on holiday. So they get a two weeks all-inclusive package uh, to uh, Tranquility Spa, which is somewhere else they're transported to and other people are there and they start meeting other people and Ryan catches a virus in a vending machine. Uh, and then, but no, it turns out they're, they're under attack and guests are being lost and they're under attack from outside. And it turns out that the outside is somewhere else. It's There's actually a... Uh, uh, hologram it's not actually on this uh this this benedorm like planet it's actually on a ravaged planet and they have to they have to get out there to uh get away from the monsters who are called the dregs and it's surprise surprise the dregs turns out, turn out to be humanity because this is actually earth after climate change the doctor says there's only one possible future uh, they find subway stations as well and, and and then they defeat the dregs uh i can't remember exa- exactly how and they get teleported back onto the tardis and then uh, there's a lecture <laughs> there is a lecture we'll get into the lecture so not bad I, I feel like that was a tldw that normally we're desperately trying to cram several facts in at the end but in this case yeah. just kind of petered out just like I do yeah. like, shr- there's a big shruggy it seemed like at the end where you're like <laughs> No, kind of like the bad. story itself. I mean, we could really get into stuff like Bella, you know, uh, and Kane, which is, turns out to be a oh, subplot. We will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll get there. But it's like it's it's telling, isn't it, that they didn't yeah. even you don't even really need them, even though this is supposed to be surprise. Another reveal, like Kane, the security chief, is the mother of of mm. Bella, the uh, Ryan's love interest. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and but, she was yeah. building the Tranquility Spa for her daughter, and then the daughter comes along to blow it up because mom is too focused on the spa. Did I get that right? Uh, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 you know, the title Orphan 55 almost yes. applies there, right? Like, I mean, it's almost as multiple meanings, and I guess I still oh, think it's important of... Well, she's not really an orphan, though, because she had her dad, right? She was, like, caring for her dad. Oh, but yeah. Didn't they say that? So, But, but then her dad died. And then because Ryan uh, says he, you know, he bonds with her over that because he lost his, his mom. Um, yeah, so so there's there's arguably, like, there's a bit of an orphan meaning there, and maybe that's why they mm-hmm. ultimately went with the name. But I think it's still, like, so to, to back up on the orphan thing, they call this planet Orphan 55, and it's because orphan planets are apparently these planets that uh, are, I guess, inhabited, but then they just go bad for whatever reason. And the doctor says the ruling elite usually just sells them off for whatever, which is mm. like, oh, okay, where, whatever. It's future galactic politics and economies. I guess this sort of makes sense. But the problem is scientifically, like we we already, like if you know anything about cosmology and astronomy and i'll admit like you know maybe in a mainstream audience doesn't know this but it certainly got me going like an orphan mm-hmm. planet just is a planet with no sun right like um it, there's sort of an equivalent term called a rogue planet but when yeah. i remember when they said this is orphan 55 and they say it's an orphan planet immediately and i i would think a lot of the doctor who audience is like this because we're all nerds and we're thinking about astronomy and we know about it we think oh so it's a planet without a sun but then it's like, no, no, wait a minute. She says it's this other type of sort of discarded planet that's just a barren wasteland. So it's like, huh, couldn't that just sort of randomly <laughs> apply to a lot of planets? Like, it feels like not really much of a category. And it, it also, while in such a fast-paced episode, uh, you know, I'm going to give it some points for 
trying to do certain things. And one of the things it's like this fast paced action thriller. Yeah. It's trying um, to be aliens. Well, you're getting thrown a lot of stuff at every turn yep. and there's a turn and a twist and another twist and another turn. And to get this orphan thing, there's, there's this and a couple other things like you're wasting unnecessary brain power trying to figure it out when you really should the, the like be paying attention to the story which is coming at you yeah. fast and furious so it, it yeah, really there's no it space in which no space in which to think about any of this no space really to wonder anything beyond like what what are the drags why are they killing the guests okay you know like that's right. sort of what you're primed to think by all this action 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 and you know action movie music and and just we're getting chased down corridors and they're giant corridors and it just you know yes this is very this is why it's like doctor who written by ai it's like oh there must be a quarry oh there must be a large corridor and we have been visiting a lot of large corridors recently on pull to open um but there are two uh, different kinds of corridors here you got the sort of spa corridors which are very nice and and then you have the uh sewer corridors i guess which are not contrasting corridors. That's what you've got to get in Doctor Who contrasting corridors. Uh, definitely a rejected title for the show. Um, but also, you know, in randomizer terms, uh, ooh, what might you, what might you call it instead of, uh, orphan 55, this, this mysterious planet, perhaps you could call it the mysterious planet. Uh, and it would become more <laughs> mysterious when you find a freaking subway station in it. Yes, that's right, yeah. folks. Orphan 55 steals a plot point from the first story in Trial of a Time Lord, which is, if you were wondering, <laughs> in the Christian era, like, you know, what they really want to throw in here is references to Trial of a Time Lord. Uh, I really want to be thinking about Mysterious Planet again. Then you have but got it, your wish. And it's also Earth, right? Like, both both episodes, the yeah. big reveal, oh, it's Earth, and Earth was destroyed either by in this case humanity's own hand for i guess ignoring global warming for too long and in the case of the mysterious planet by the time lords which obviously two different points they're making um but i I mean but in this case you'd probably be more surprised if it if it wasn't earth you'd be surprised if it wasn't earth that would be the big reveal i mean it's just so oh god i remember rolling my eyes the first time i watched this and i rolled them even harder this time, I know, I know it's, it's unfortunate because look, we, we do like to stay positive on Pull to Open. We do, you know, the, these these television is hard. Uh, Doctor Who is hard. It's hard to put. It's hard to put together. Stories are hard. It's hard to stick the landing. Like we don't want to be just like armchair generals here, right? We right. want to appreciate everything that's done, and a lot of this looks very nice. I will say that. I will say that sure. I really liked. I liked the vending machine virus thing. Uh, that, yeah. that when Ryan gets it like that, that felt totally. very Douglas Adams to me this time. And it was interesting coming straight from Douglas Adams story where he kind of disrespected Dr. Who while being a bit Douglas Adamsy, um, you know, in destiny and, of the Daleks and here it's sort of used wisely and properly and for comedy purposes. So yeah, yeah but it, it kind of just squanders all that. I think it's tempting to to jump on something. So so the, obviously the Whitaker era has its detractors, and mm. I think there's a lot of things like that sort of um, Hopper virus you could jump on pretty easily. Mm. But I think that it I think you're right in that it's it's done in such a humorous way. I really like the humor there, and I, yeah. this is you know Doctor it's Doctor Who science. A lot of Doctor Who is Doctor Who science, right? Like it's if anyone's ever thinking like oh it's this isn't accurate or nitpicking on a thing when say Whitaker says this hopper virus is multi-platform 
and mm-hmm. using that as a catch-all phrase that it can affect both infect both machinery and people. Um, that's you know that's just the thing that that Doctor Who does, and it doesn't you know you don't have to like spell out exactly how that works. Um, it's just how it works, and you go with it. And I think you know if of all the sort of fam. Um, this is obviously Toes and Cole and uh, Ryan is, is the one that is featured the most here. And he does great. He does this great little slapstick moment where he's like, you know, I forget what he's doing. exactly, he's smacking himself around and trying to get um, the virus out of him. And then yep. he has to suck his thumb. <laughs> Well, then, oh, yeah, no, he's batting away at, halluc- at, at imaginary bats. That was it. Imaginary <laughs> bats. That was a lovely moment. Nice, uh, <laughs> nice fear and loathing in Las Vegas reference. You know, we can't yeah. stay here. This is bat country. Um, actually, yeah, I really, I remember sort of being irked by that the first time around. This time I loved it. So there are definitely moments in uh, Orphan 55 that I appreciated more this time around. But I did not appreciate the overall structure. I did not appreciate the mysterious planet reference. Did not appreciate the fact that it was, I uh, did not appreciate the uh the tone of the messaging and and i am someone who oh, we want, we're doing that are we <laughs> yeah i mean let's I just, go right to it let's get right yeah. to it because this this is you know supposed to be well on the one hand it's supposed to be like an homage to alien uh, aliens or yeah. whatever you know that that kind of style of action film where an alien is chasing you down a corridor and it's being an evil but also the twist is that these aliens are us in the future and they're uh, they're an angry tree. Basically, they're breathing out oxygen, mm-hmm. breathing in carbon dioxide because we've had to adapt because it turns out this is our planet and climate change has happened. But then as soon as we find that it's our planet, it just takes on this tone. It becomes preachy. And yeah. I'm all for, you know, f- tackling climate change in fiction. Like we absolutely need to do that. And I will I will say that I've, I've recently been listening uh, again to the audiobook of uh, Ministry for the Future. It's a Kim Stanley Robinson novel, which does sort of tackle climate change in, in a positive sense. Uh, yeah, well, sort of saying exactly how bad it's going to get, but also here right. are the steps we can take to mitigate it. Let's fictionalize it. And it has its problems. It is also a bit too preachy. That sort of is kind of inherent when you're with it, with it comes to the territory when you're talking about climate change. Like we, we are screwed um, if we don't like all pull together on this right it, it, it is super important and the 21st century definitely needs to figure out how to spread how to put this in stories effectively so that it stays top of mind for people mm. you know even when weird weather isn't happening right uh, yeah, but this isn't how you do it folks this is not how you do it it doesn't honestly it's not how you do it in not just doctor who and i have very doctor who specific complaints about what yeah. the choices they made to do it but i just i just don't think you do this in fiction like the the like I, I just got to go right to the end. Holy cow, yeah. that ending. Like my, yep. my instinct was just like, you know, if you listen to the Rosa podcast we did, I, I criticized it for feeling like an after school special. Dude, that is like the, the, the best pot, subtlest drama compared to <laughs> the final scene here in Orphan 55, where the doctor just essentially gets on a podium and it has, I think to your point, an AI written screed <laughs> on what to do about how bad climate change is going to be and what to do about it. Like you, you're just either just like putting your finger in your mouth or doing a wanking motion. Okay. I get it. Thank you. Chris yep. Chibnall. You didn't have to come out of the television with a hammer and slam it into my head until it's a bu- bloody pulp. Like I got it. 
thank you. I mean, can you imagine this? In like, like the, the, the environmental messages are not new to Doctor Who. They were, we've exactly. gone over several of them in the classic series. And this is, can you imagine the if the end of Inferno was essentially John Pertwee turning to the brigadier and Liz, oh, that was close. And we should all feel bad. And like, remember, we have the power to prevent these kinds of things from happening and let's yeah. change our society and our incentive structures. So we aren't let astray down the path of destruction. And megalomaniacs <laughs> don't take control of this and then turn to camera. And you yeah. can choose to do things right. Because if you don't, Cut the prime board. <laughs> you know, like, if that was the end of Inferno, that that season seven would have been the end of Doctor Who. Okay, like, yeah, absolutely. Just like, Holy cow! We're never. We're this is the worst show. No, no, or or they would have moved it to like you know five p.m. on weekdays or something. Because yeah, it's it, it, so, tea time spot. In in Doctor Who history, you know, we we know there's only one occasion where the Doctor has broken the fourth wall and turned directly to camera, and it's in the Feast of Stephen. Uh, you know, he wishes the viewers, uh, you know, happy Christmas. Now, <laughs> it's never been like that again, but this is the closest. <laughs> this yeah. is the, like so, the, the Doctor is practically fair, yeah. looking directly at you. To be really fair, Whitaker does not actually. Lo- do talk no. directly to the audience but i gotta think right. i i do believe the drag does <laughs> the yeah. to the drag just roaring Cuts the drag looking at you ah. i'm here to scare yeah. you even though there's no one around i mean i but guess anyway. you could say the end of blink which we kind of criticized in, when we went to blink is like the only dud note is like the end of blink where it's like the doctor looking directly at you you know from the video screen yeah. and into cutting with statues but that's not really like you know there's clearly there's no message here yeah, like we, exactly. there's not a serious statue crisis on earth um and I, i'm sure that bit has its fans too because it is sort of the equivalent yeah. of the final horror scare and they set it up with the whole videotape so he you know he's talking to camera there and that's obviously part mm-hmm. of the story so it's fine so it's nowhere so, near this level yeah. of sort of preaching it's Here's here's how it, how preachy it was. I was watching this episode with with a friend who uh, doesn't watch. Doc- Actually, funnily enough, uh, Blink is the only episode they've seen. Uh, other than this, and uh, they turned to me after the doctor had given that you know that ending speech and just said. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> and that should be, that should be like, if you are a script writer and so, you know, you've, you put a speech in your story and, you know, you, and that people can put that phrase in after whatever your screed is and, and it works. Like it, it sounds funny because it's punctures the pomposity of what you've just been saying. Uh, then you probably shouldn't write that speech. You shouldn't let that first draft nonsense get into your final script because climate change is vital. It is an existential threat to the planet, but story is everything. Yeah. Stories, everything. And honestly, like, I, I wonder how this even made it to air. Like I honestly yeah. look at Chris Chibnall and I'm just like, dude, you're better than this. Like yeah. you should be better than this at least. Like, yeah. And I, Rosa was better than this. Like, you know, people talk about yeah. the end of Rosa being after school specialist. You mentioned that. Uh, and yeah, it does a bit, but also do you remember it also like we're looking at the asteroid with Rosa Parks' name? So you're sort of taking mm-hmm. that in at the same time, right? Oh, she's she is sort of immortalized. And like I'm even getting yeah. a little bit of a chill thinking about that now, right? It's effective because you are somewhat distracted by that. You know, yeah. perhaps you never knew Rosa Parks had an asteroid. So you're sort of like, hmm, you know. And and that allows the after school specialishness of what 
Whitaker's saying in that moment, yeah. which is relatively I, benign. I, to watch I was critical of that too, but I, I wasn't angry about it the way I kind of right. was about this. And I, I, yeah. it's just so ham-fisted. And this is just not that there are ways to do this kind of story. Obviously there are that hmm. don't throw it in your face like this. Cause I also feel like, you know, whether you, you know, obviously Chibnall had his politics um, and he put chunks of that in the show. And I think that's perfectly valid. I mean, if you're a showrunner yeah. and you're going to do that, like you should, obviously you want to be mindful of the broader audience, but I think it's completely okay to have messaging. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that you, you to, to your point, storytelling has to be king, and it, to have your lead come in at the end and essentially spell out the message, I believe that essentially ends discussion. You know, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't intrigue you. It doesn't make you want to go. Oh, you know, I, I I've worked out what this means on my own, even if it it might be like subtle, and then have a conversation with someone after. You don't want to. You just kind of like no. turn the TV off and disgust and go. Wow, I hope next week's better. Yeah, exactly. It it does. I I had that feeling watching that that wrap up is like you could be the most kind of committed environmentalist worried about the future of the planet and watch this and and kind of almost be like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not like if that's the kind of if you're going to preach at me like that, like I don't know what you're talking about already. Like I haven't taken that on board that we can either help the planet or destroy it. We can either be, you know, uh, yeah, get it, got it you know got it years ago what the hell like it could actually counteract what you're trying to do you know yeah, with your environmental exactly. message and Chibnall, so, it just doesn't get that yeah well since we're Ugh. on the end now i actually have yes. one more not to pile on but i have one more complaint yeah. about this and it's very doctor who specific so yes. when she is talking about the earth ending up this way she says mm-hmm. specifically the doctor says specifically this is one possible future you know, it doesn't necessarily mean this is going to happen, but we have to change to ensure that it doesn't. And, you know, it's obviously all part of the message. But to me, this gets it even more wrong, gets Doctor Who wrong, because Doctor mm-hmm. Who has always, not always, but generally the the, the way it approaches time and fu- the future is that it, all of time and space are open to the characters and thus, you know, the audience. But it doesn't treat future history any differently than past history. And that's kind of the beauty right. of it, right? Like, yes, certainly we don't know the future uh, as, as people in the present. So you kind of have to just do whatever. But I love that the doctor has this knowledge of what happens in the future and it's not complete, but uh, when it's done right. And I think a good example of this actually is the waters of Mars um, where he goes to a point in the future of future events and is like, Oh, I know exactly what's going to happen here and you know, everything happens there with the him, him changing it. But then obviously Mm -hmm. him being the time Lord is the X factor. Doctor who doesn't treat the future this way. You know what I mean? It's not like, Oh, just because it's, it's given it basically it's giving too much special nature to the present that for some reason, the time we're watching the show is the place where things diverge. That's not how that's, that's not how the show treats time and it's honestly it's not how space-time works i mean if you read anything about 
uh, real space time stuff from say the, I, I talked about the works of Brian green uh, several times in the show, mm, but uh-huh. you, you really get an appreciation that uh, it's actually kind of wondrous how, how everything in the universe is connected through space time, but that there is absolutely nothing special about what we perceive to be the present moment, you know, and right. it's a big sort of thing in physics and uh, metaphysics actually on mm-hmm. like, what d- is there anything special about experiencing these moments, these sort of photographs one after another, these temporal photographs, like a movie, uh, why are we experiencing this moment and not the moment five seconds ago or 20 years from now? Right. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's, it's, it's no one, no one knows why there's, there's nothing special about right. it. So it's, it's this sort it's of problem. Thing about we're we're, we're just, we, our brains can't, experience it all at once so we have to process it linearly and, and yeah yeah no, frust- i totally get that the most frustrating mm-hmm. thing is that there is a way to do orphan 55 and i will get to praising mm-hmm. good things about the episode by the way well there, there's i think there's fun stuff in this episode but there is a right. way to do this story that comports with that vision you can do it with even you don't even have to have it be earth right like uh, to mm-hmm. your point you can make the twist something else you can put this message more subtly and better in a Doctor Who episode, this is not it. This is this completely does does number one ham fisted messaging, which is always a bad idea. But it also doesn't do it in a way that really respects the show's uh, the, the way the show treats time. And I find it yeah. very frustrating for that reason. Agreed, agreed. And if you're going to change it, then say that it's a change. And it, it is interesting because I realized that as you were talking, this is another reason for the randomizer to bring us here from Destiny of the Daleks. Uh, Destiny of the Daleks, as we saw last week, a story where Douglas Adams came in fresh as a script editor and, and kind of kind of messed around with how the show treats regenerations, how the show treats the Daleks, like Terry Nation didn't like uh, his work on that. Uh, and this is a very, kind of a similar thing. You, you're absolutely right. Like the Doctor Who is a uh, a place of fixed points in time, and yeah, things do do turn out differently, but in parallel universes. And there are big walls mm. between the universes in Doctor Who, as we found out in Doomsday. Um, that you know, that's kind of the rule. Yes, it's one possible future, but we are we're in it. It's like the Doctor is usually only traveling in one timeline. Right, yeah, and there exactly. are fixed points in that timeline. Very, very rarely does she go to parallel universes. So, if I mean, that's Doctor, what you're doing, yeah. say that. Yeah, and Doctor mm-hmm. Who doesn't certainly doesn't have like consistency. I mean, production teams come and go, uh, and you know, <laughs> many, many volumes have been written trying to factor every single story into the same universe and mm-hmm. you you have to contort things for that to work but that is the rule you're right like there are rules to this even if it isn't consistent like there are there are there is a framework and this episode just doesn't respect the framework and it's yeah. you know it's not cool and i get why they yeah, kind of did it because they wanted to connect it and they again they didn't have to do this they wanted to connect it more mm. strongly with contemporary earth and the problems yes. of today and but fair you don't enough, do that by hitting it on the nose yeah exactly exactly that doesn't mean you have to have it be contemporary essentially contemporary earth or like the day after tomorrow or whatever this is supposed to be uh, you don't yeah, do I mean, that. Pete, you're, you're you're a Star Trek fan, and you know you well know that you know the original Star Trek series was was designed to tackle a lot of uh, political issues on Earth, uh, sure. but just without going to them directly, right? Yeah. Uh, you, you just you <laughs> you don't actually have you know all of the uh, groundbreaking 
uh, you know, stuff that took place, like the, you know, the first interracial kiss, all of that. You don't actually set it on earth. You, you set it far away in another context and that way people can kind of approach it. So yeah, the more you're talking, the more I'm like, why not just make this another problem, uh, planet yeah. that's having problems with climate change. We haven't really seen that very much in Dr. Who history, uh, where, you know, we see another case of like, you know, species made climate change. That that yeah. would be an interesting thing to visit. That would be a totally interesting thing to visit. And you could get like really extreme with it. I mean, they get extreme with it here. Um, but, you know, as you were talking there about Star Trek, certainly there were some episodes where they kind of spelled out a little bit of the lesson in the last little exchange with the bridge crew. But it wasn't mm. preachy. It was done in a way that was actually mm. usually pretty fun because the actors would be sort of playing off the personalities a bit. There was a little humor to it and little sort of wistfulness about what ifs or what have you. Um, again, that didn't always hit it out of the park, but it didn't piss you off. <laughs> it was just kind of a, a good way to sort of, you know, leave the viewers with, with uh, something that in mm. case they it went a little bit over their heads. And again, it was a different time, you know, it was the sixties. Mm. And so sort of this messaging might've been, it kind of needed to handhold a little bit more, particularly with science fiction. Like kind of convince so, people um, it was about the world, right? Uh, whereas yeah. today we get it. Everything's science fiction. The nerds have taken over. You don't like <laughs> if anything, it should be subtler. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Make it more uh more of a metaphor, more of a you know, let it let us draw the message out. Well, you know, as as regular listeners know, we're we're not the only ones whose uh, opinion uh, counts uh, or is mentioned during the show. Uh Pete, you watch this with your kids? Uh, I do. What do they think I did. of the uh the climate change messaging. Well, see, this is this is a good segue because I think we can segue into the, the good parts of Warfare Fifty Five, and there are good mm. parts. So my kids liked it; they both thought it was pretty mm. good. Though they all both, and it's telling. Like Grace, she just had a birthday; she's ten now, and so she's Happy ten. Birthday, Grace! Thank you. And Jack is thirteen, and they both liked it. But they even Grace was a little like, "Holy cow, that ending!" You know, like mm. just that was that was a little over the top, and they kind of even laughed when the dreg came out at the end, even though Grace was a little pretty scared of the dregs. So that there is good sort of horror thriller action stuff with the dregs. She needed some help sort of getting to sleep that night. Again, I'm father Aww. of the year. And, <laughs> uh, you know, so what they both, I mean, even as kids, they felt it was a condescending ending, which is like, that tells you a mm. lot. Uh, but yeah. they did like the message, you know, I think as kids sort of might give you some hope for kids today and sort of like, oh yeah, I get it. It's mm. like, obvi obviously they got everyone who, who couldn't like the cat got it, but it's like, right. <laughs> I think they agree with the messaging of like, you know, climate change is a problem. We'll have, you know, very serious consequences if we don't do something about mm -hmm. it. And they, they liked seeing that depicted. Um, right. Jack liked the horror aspects too. And he even mentioned the stuff with the elderly couple, um, Benny and um, I forgot the woman's name. V Velma, um, is it? V yeah, that's not uh, right. Yeah, Vilma, Vilma, that's right. So, so, and that's a good, um, that's a that's a good transition to like yes there there's some good stuff with over 55 and notably like the guest cast i think is quite good um mm. you know everyone's pretty memorable um except maybe kane kane might be a little off um yeah but generally they're not all just sort of cannon fodder and um so that's pretty good even though that first guard who i think dies pretty quickly you don't get to know much about him right um, I mean, it is really Orphan Fifty Five is really a tale of of three acts that almost have nothing to do with each other. You know, the first mm. act is kind of 
Leisure Hive, right? You know, we we've been here before. We've we've been here in Doctor Who. The Doctor goes on vacation. The vacation goes wrong. You know, it's midnight. It's Leisure Hive. It's there's a whole bunch of stories going back into Doctor Who history where vacation isn't everything it's seen. But you know, we're in a resort, tranquility spa. I like that aspect of it. That's where you get the fun. You know, the vending machine virus and Ryan seeing bats and all that good stuff, and Ryan trying the worst chat up lines in the world. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> it's aliens. Uh, mm, just right. almost out of nowhere, there are guns, there's dramatic music, and let's just talk for a moment about guns in Doctor Who, because okay. it is like, it, they're always there for, for the Doctor to say no guns, right? That's, yes, I get it, and occasionally the Doctor does does use a, use a gun. I did see remember seeing a wonderful YouTube video that kind of stitches all those moments together, uh, <laughs> of the Doctor being a badass with a gun. It does happen. But you know, generally, like this is a this is an anti-gun show, right? And yet, this the second act of Orton Fifty Five absolutely delights in its thriller, action, gun jammed in your face kind of kind of characterization, kind of plot. You know, and Kane is sort of the, the classic uh, example of like she's a cardboard mm. cutout from uh, an alien style movie, only um, without any of the personality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She's she's she's, she's Ripley walking. if Ripley had been yeah. completely trained to personality. Yeah, totally. Uh, um, yeah. So the you know, is even uh, saved by a gun. I mean, it's Kane, yeah. and you know, she's at the drag leader, uh, who we later find out is the leader, I believe. Mm. And then Kane just shoots it and doesn't um, uh, doesn't kill it, but it right. saves the doctor. So you know. <laughs> but there, there are just Can't really too be many stories. <laughs> exactly. The, the, that's the thing. It's like this. This story wants to have its cake and eat it. It wants to kind of, you know, invade against the the message. You know, give you the message that it does in the third act. But in the second end, it wants to be an action thriller. It wants to copy Hollywood. It want, which is Doctor Who just shouldn't ever do. Don't copy Hollywood. You're not Hollywood. You're Doctor Who. Right, and I yes, think but I, RTD I, got I this. It RTD knows how to import some elements and the right ones, but this was like just straight up copying, right? Yeah, I, I get it. I, I don't think you're saying don't have action because I, I do yeah. like big action um, sequences and fun, and you know, Doctor Who is has adult themes, which is to right. its credit. You know, people die, and a lot of people die in this one. Uh, kind of too many, and and some aspects um so all of that's fine um but yeah the there's a bit of i guess inconsistency with particularly with whitaker's doctor who a season ago was smacking guns out of ryan's hand even though i think he was only using it to shoot even robots or something like that so (laughs) um and you know it's kind of and in other words like i think even the morality of the show during the whitaker era was very unsure of itself and would sort of reverse every now and then like do we want to be like pacifists and then at some point they were like oh no and this i think if they're trying to send a message that no we're not pacifists then this is this is the episode that (laughs) hammers that home uh because there's a bunch of bombs that explode and i'll 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 try to use this as a jumping off point to start talk a little bit about bella and Mm. her relationship with ryan so Bella, as we learn, is essentially a terrorist who is related to Kane. I guess she's her daughter. And uh, she has no compunctions about, you know, murdering a bunch of people and, and blowing up this place. Um, and I got to say, 
I feel like she's never really shown to pay for that or be the villain. Mm. Like, I think the script generally makes you sympathetic for her. And I think that's a really weird call. Like you get the final scene where Ryan and her are kind of looking at each other and saying goodbye. And she's sort of strangely sacrificing herself, I guess, probably because she didn't expect to live through this thing. Right. And they're sort of sucking thumbs at each other and making goo goo eyes. And it's just a little bit like, wait, you know, she just like essentially killed a bunch (laughs) of people and like, was going to blow up the place. Like she's a terrorist. Like, what are you doing? And it is such a waste because this, this time around, like I, I feel like we've been to some good episodes for Ryan, like Witchfinders Mm -hmm. and, and Rosa were both good Ryan episodes. And it's definitely made me rethink my notion that was very much on display in revolution of the Daleks that Ryan uh, was the weakest member of the fam. Uh, which he kind of was in some ways, but he clearly had a lot of better scenes. I didn't remember. This is one of them. His whole, you kind of want to pull for him and, and for her to kind of get together at the end. Right. Right. It just, the fact that he's so inept, she's like calling out his bad chat up lines, but saying, you know, shame, you weren't actually trying to chat me up, you know, like, you know, this, it's cute. Like that's the best actual characterization in the whole thing. And then it completely gets ruined by this revelation that she's a terrorist. And as you say, that being not dealt with by Ryan at all. Yeah, exactly. Like I like that reversal that she's like, Mm. I think she says she's unemployed. First she says she's a critic, then she's unemployed and then she's a terrorist. So it's this, it reverses the, the expectation, which is really cool. And that's fine. And then Ryan's sort of like, oh, I was liking this person. But they d- it seems reluctant to go all the way with it. It very uh-huh. it doesn't make her to be the bad guy, even though she's the bad guy. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, it, it just totally like, what what are we doing? And then so the dregs are the bad guy, I guess. And they're just trying to live, man. So... And then again, you, exactly, they are just trying to live, and they are us. So there's, there should be this reversal that, again, the script is sort of too ham-fisted to incorporate. There should be a reversal where we really start to feel sympathy for the dregs. Uh, sympathy right. for the dregs, by the way, a little-known Rolling Stones song, rejected uh, rejected title for uh, his Satanic Majesty's <laughs> album. But yes, uh, we, we're supposed to have sympathy for the dregs. We do not have it. Yes. <laughs> please allow me to introduce myself i'm a drag of wealth and taste yeah anyway sorry the, um, go ahead with bella well no i was just gonna say like bella you're kind of i guess invited to be sympathetic to her particularly when she gives you her reasoning of like oh i guess my mom walked out on me and never decided to raise me so i'm gonna get back at her by blowing up her resort which is mm-hmm. a little bit like you know, I was hard on the fam for the doctor leaving them for 10 months. To, and <laughs> I'm going to be even more hard on Bella. Like, grow the hell up. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Like, what about not becoming a terrorist? How about don't do that? And, how about go uh, to therapy? Just deal with it. Yeah. How about go to therapy? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm a terrorist like, because I, my mom isn't home enough. I feel like that the show is really lacking a moment where someone just like tells her like, you're bad like like no mm-hmm. like uh-uh and uh just saying that is not a an even slightly a justification for the things you're doing and i gotta say i know this is this is probably it i don't want to be too hard on this choice because i get it so 
they make like make Cain and Bella sort of different races, right? And I, I think this is sort of mm. showing like, oh, I guess she was adopted, or in you know, this I, I don't know. It's not I don't know if that's futury, but I guess it's a little more futury okay. or whatever. But I, I think it's again similar to naming this thing Orphan Fifty Five. Uh, while I I appreciate sort of trying to represent mixed families and doing a mm-hmm. little bit of inclusion there, it's yep. just again one extra thing to think about. As you're right. wondering this, particularly since this is sort of a mystery type thing, and you're like, okay, so, oh, I guess the daughter mother relationship I was supposed to not see coming, or wait, maybe I should mistrust it. Does that doesn't right. even make sense? And you kind of like, so you again, I, I I get with it why they did it. I think this isn't the episode to do it in, just because there too much stuff is coming at you so fast, and to throw Absolutely. that in as well. You're just like you're. You just got too much inventorying in your head to do. This this is one of those uh, moments where I feel like Chibnall was sort of ill served by coming after RTD and uh, and Moffat, right? Because they they both RTD and Moffat, to varying degrees and with varying success, pack in a lot of stuff, pack mm, in a lot yeah. of storyline, pack in a lot of characterization. And here's where RTD does excel. He is very very good at drawing a character in a few lines, so that you just sort of mm. get them. And that is what Chibnall uh, and and the writer we, we haven't even mentioned the the actual writer of this uh, who previously wrote uh, it, it takes you away right in the previous season um, and Ed I'm Heim. trying to remember his name Ed, Ed Heim, Heim yes uh, reportedly this this script was not was a resulted from the um, uh, writers room discussions in the previous season and what ended up on screen is very very different from what he first pitched uh but anyway yeah he he clearly uh, you know he uh, under the uh direction of tribunal is is writing something that tries to do that the characterization with the you know the old couple for example you know and then yeah benny is about to propose and you're like that's yeah i get it like that's a nice quick way to do characterization but maybe just don't put in so many characters Especially not yeah. when you've got a TARDIS team that is so, you know, you need well, you need to manage three people already. And uh, in this in this episode, I think Yaz gets really shortchanged. Uh, she oh, totally. Has anything to say? Um, yeah, she just kind of runs around a bit and shows concern yeah. for Ryan and whoever else. Yeah. And obviously, looks very sullen at the end after being lectured to by the Doctor about how humanity is destroying the planet. Yeah, Yaz is <laughs> yeah. very altered by this. I will say Graham has some nice moments early on. Obviously, he's the person who gets the whole thing going. And he's very funny, I, I will say. Like, he has some of the best lines. The Speedo's lo- line is is genuinely hilarious. <laughs> and it's a really good joke. Yes, it's, it- it's so good a joke that, it's honestly, it's a little bit almost too far for Graham, right? It's, like, yeah. it's almost like switches characters for a second to get in a really funny joke. It's about it's already wearing a right? like he's a bit he's a bit sly. He's a bit he's an he's an old guy who's been around the block a few times. But it's also but like it, okay, it, it, it doesn't really match up with it doesn't match with up with how he behaves when he gets the resort, does it? Either right, like he's just sitting around having a drink. Like he didn't need his speedos anyway. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. He's not keen to get in that pool. Uh, <laughs> and to be honest. I gotta say, like, it, if you're gonna say this is a super resort that everyone's excited to get to, make it maybe look a bit more exciting. Maybe spend a bit more of the budget that you're spending later on and making, you know, on the monsters to actually make the resort look cool. I don't know. Maybe just choose between one of these three 
stories that Orphan 55 is trying to be, right? You know, yeah. is it is it an action thriller? Is it a holiday gone wrong? Is it, uh, or is it, you know, a climate change metaphor, right? Or no, yeah. not even metaphor, but a climate change TED talk. Or is it some kind of ish thing about dealing with your family issues? Which again, yeah. one of the better lines, <laughs> I liked Whitaker, uh, Whitaker's line about, you should really just settle this with a sort of a passive aggressive conversation. Like most families, like I thought that was a pretty, a pretty good line. Although generally I I would say Whitaker's performance here, I think is very good, but I think it's um, better if you watch this season uh, start to finish. Cause I do Mm -hmm. feel like she's a little bit angrier here than she usually is, particularly with those early scenes when she's figuring out the linen closet and she's, just a little too quick to dress people down at that point and uh, point out how smart she is and what, you know, uh, she's trying to do, but coming just off Spyfall, where mm-hmm. she's just learned that Gallifrey is destroyed and they do make a, a slight okay. mention of it early, right? There's a bit like, Hey, why are you so glum and being quiet over there? Doctor and she's like, um, I'm fine. I'm nothing's wrong with me. So mm-hmm. you, you get that a little more here, right? So mm-hmm. I think this is Whitaker, uh, making a deliberate choice at at Chibnall's instruction, just kind of like this is the arc of the season, and this, you kind of need to be a little more mm-hmm. on edge uh, and and slightly mean, which I think um, she does. She does okay here, while still sort of being the doctor. It's not overt. Um, yeah. So so good for her, though. If you come into this cold like we do on all of our episodes, <laughs> it is a it, it doesn't throw you off a bit. It is it just maybe she's not as likable as she usually is because i do find whitaker generally more likable than this right and and if you're to your point if you're going to have a season arc then you sort of need to throw in a reminder if we haven't been paying attention the previous week like maybe she could be looking maybe just throw in a scene where she's tapping out something on the console and the console says yes gallifrey's been destroyed or something like that you know, just something to confirm it in, in the way the way, what I'm thinking of is like the, the whole season six arc about um, Amy and Rory being pregnant and not pregnant at the same time. Remember that, right? They, they would oh, yeah. remind you of that by having yep. the doctor kind of look concerned at the console, uh, you know, during several episodes, just to you know, keep it top of mind. You know, all of the season arcs do that. Like you talk about the hybrid or you mentioned bad wolf or some mention gets thrown in torchwood, whatever it is, you got to actually mention it for it to be a season arc. And for the doctor to just be like, I'm staying quiet about something that is very important to me, but I'm not telling any of you that doesn't work. Yeah. It's never going to work. For episodic TV, you know, yeah. like we we all we all need reminders. So yeah, you, you, it's not enough to just have her be solid in the corner for a second. Mm. Like you need you need something more explicit. Um, well, so getting back to something I I did <laughs> like, um, probably more the second time around because I knew the twist was the dregs themselves, and yeah. they they have a pretty scary design. Um, they you know are believably killers. Like they they could pretty easily kill folks although i do think they go pretty quickly from sort of this looming creeping threat to essentially playing doom in the hotel and they're just <laughs> basically demons that are just eating people instantly so um but that said they they don't move very fast right you see them sort of mm. walking on the landscape which i think is good because you gotta if you make things too powerful then your people can't really believably 
either evade them or fight them. So, but it mm. also makes sense when you know the reveal because these are supposedly yeah. like, dis, you know, evolved or adapted humans um, that have gone primal, and it makes sense they'd be humanoid and they wouldn't really be able to go much faster than a human. They're just yeah. kind of walking around. So, so that works really well. Although I don't understand why you would adapt. I guess it's just all environmental, but to switch hmm. from breathing oxygen to breathing carbon dioxide, like just do a complete 180. Uh, I'll go with it. Again, it's Doctor Who science. I, I don't think it ruins the show at all. And again, I th that's actually a, a pretty good twist um, in the tunnels. I, yeah. Where, yeah. You know, well, especially like, I, I, I go, this is one of the best parts of the episode where Kane has the line, you talk too much. She's talking to the doctor. You're running right. out of oxygen. And yes. it nails the doctor. Yes. Because she's she's <laughs> she's always literally, in this case, literally sucking the oxygen out of the room. And it's working right. against her. Like her her top quality of being the person in charge and knowing everything and always talking is about to kill her. Um, that's pretty funny. Yeah. And I, it is it is a nice reveal when we learn that the dregs are actually adding oxygen to the corridor. But like that change that seems to change nothing about anyone's uh, intentions with the dregs. I mean, it, I guess the, the dreg that's herded into the cage is done so more more politely. I don't know. But like it, it just yeah. feels like we needed that again. We've talked on this on the show before about this notion that you need to say something twice if you yeah, want you the, the audience to get the importance of it. And and th this script and a lot of Chibnall doesn't do that. Doesn't say it twice. You're like, wait, wait a minute. I think they said that they're breathing out oxygen and oh, okay, that's interesting. Is that, oh, I can't even have time, don't even have time to think about that. I'm being dragged onto something else because it's another action sequence. Um, yeah, Jack uh, liked that yeah. scene with the cage. I, I thought it was okay. I think as a plot device, it works. Um, I think two things. I think you're absolutely right. There should have had me a little bit more about the the breathing and the O2 versus the CO2. Mm. But also like the intelligence even though they, she said they're intelligent, you're not really feeling it. You need it a little more. Yeah. You need a little more of everything in this. Like you say, like <clears throat> they should have picked the storyline and went with it and fleshed it out because you get the, I think the only hint of the dregs intelligence before this is mm -hmm. the, the trap that they set for the right. van. And then okay, they'd have to have some intelligence to be able to do that. And I guess there's a little bit with uh, the Benny stuff because they keep Benny alive. And I don't think that was, you know, deliberate to fool anybody. But uh, and I got to mm. say that that's a pretty good bit, too, because it's very adult you don't see it. that they've mm -hmm. kept you and you'd never see it. So you're always imagining something, imagining something more horrific than what right. uh, probably actually happens to him. But <laughs> it's uh, that that that's a good little bit there. So with uh, the, the but the the cage itself, it's this sudden twist that it can sort of listen and understand and go in and be sort of peaceful it's it's a it's a little too far it was a little too far for me i just didn't buy it you know mm -hmm. it, it was clearly being done for plot and not to make in a sort of way that i was believing that the dregs would actually do that given what we'd seen of them in the episode mm -hmm. that far yeah absolutely and i i just i wish more effort had been put into the dregs like less less into the costume more into the character or the concept right. Instead of just having gurgling and growling, which is like, you know, again, just like, is is that is that what our language evolves into? I, I don't, I just don't get it. We just become 
monsters like even morlocks and yeah. in, in the time machine like have actually have more to say even though they have a monster appearance but the, the dregs are just cardboard cutouts yeah totally. you know? and you can't just tell you got, you've got to show not tell if they are intelligent anyway that's anyway, uh they leave you with a lot a, of questions perhaps they do but, <laughs> thank you <laughs> i was looking we for cheesy own, segue we have our own questions about orphan 55 and we these are of course the four questions to doomsday first question <laughs> among the four is of course why did the randomizer take us here i feel like we've answered this but yeah, we have. There's so many What's things that summarize them all. The the quarries that you mentioned. The uh, you know, I I was like, you know, uh, Destiny of the Daleks is sort of, you know, has it's a bit boring. And oh my God, you know, this is this is Doctor Who, you know, showing us like the the new show can do much more, uh, you know, mm. boring stuff and confusing stuff and bad story stuff uh, than than uh, than the whole show. <laughs> Ever could, um, like I, I would watch Destiny of the Daleks four times before I watched Orphan Fifty Five again. You know, again, it's it's wrapped up in my childhood. Like we, we we discussed that last week, but still, like it's not a particularly great story. Um, I'm able to see that. So this is this is an example of that. I think there's there's also the written by AI thing. Yeah. <laughs> which I mentioned at the start of the show. Still have that sense of it, and it really just feels like it's written by committee. I feel like it, it's almost a warning for the Mirandavizer. Like, you know, especially with the <laughs> um the mysterious planet connection. Like it feels like this is a this is not a warning of what could happen to the future of the planet. This is a warning of what could happen to the future of Doctor Who. Right? If Shara is careful. It's the pull to open equivalent of turning to camera and yes. us on how not to do Doctor Who. I think that is essentially it, right? Obviously ask for quarries um i actually don't know if they did actual quarries or if this was all studio or whatever it feels like it was they went to a quarry i I didn't look it up uh but the the other connection i think you're right with destiny of the daleks is that each of these episodes in my view gets doctor who wrong yes uh, in big ways and we talked about destiny of daleks at the time and sort of the balance between humor and and drama and taking it seriously and uh, particularly the Daleks who have a storied history and and, and mm. rules to them that are totally broken in Destiny of the Daleks and for the worse. And here, very similar, you know, like with all the time, mm. the way it treats time, the way it treats messaging, um, you know, it's it's a stunning example of of uh, getting the show wrong, I think. And yeah, uh, dis- that's, disrespecting that's certain connection disrespecting certain fundamentals of the show as you pointed out yeah. with the uh, the time stream thing the the different universes thing like that that's new so say so uh you know the same could be said of romana's regeneration and by the way i do want to kind of add something to something i said last week about romana's regeneration you know we talked about that it was just like yeah not how it's done not seen the before, show before watching it again because i did watch it one more time I noticed that it was like the doctor who was asking for Romana to change her body. And then she's like, goes away and like, Oh, okay. I'll show you, you know, here's what you asked for. Um, so I, I feel like we, we kind of missed the doctor's agency in that kind of softens it a little bit. So yeah, I think overall this, this may disrespect doctor who canon more 
than Destiny of the Daleks. The randomizer's like, oh, you want you want to see that? Uh, you know, let's <laughs> let's take a look at where it's yeah. really really badly done. This is more fundamental than the Romana regeneration. Oh wow! The randomizer said, "Hold my beer." Exactly. <laughs> I thought that was not, not good. Okay. Moving on to the second question, which is, what if the evil plot had succeeded? Okay, so the, the whole, who's the, this whole the, evil story, the whole story is the evil plot succeeding. Yeah. Of, <laughs> like, it's humanity's evil humanity. plot to destroy mm-hmm. itself. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. You, she actually lists a bunch of things, not just global warming, which is oh, clouds the message even more. But I, it's pretty clearly she's yeah. talking, like, they mentioned global warming more than once. Uh, but, you know, neglect of the environment, neglect of our own planet. Um, so so arguably, that's what it is. Um I don't know. <laughs> then, then if you want to get granular, you can look at the dregs or you can look at Bella. The dregs just yeah, want to I eat people. Bella's evil plot would be to just blow the whole thing up, I guess. I wasn't entirely clear on her evil plot. And, and it's also unclear if she thought to even get away because the hopper virus yeah. is one of the first things that happens is that it disables the teleport. So she can't get yeah. off the planet, presumably. So she would die too. Did she? But did she factor uh, yeah. that in? I mean, I guess you get the sense that Bella hasn't thought things through, right? She's not. She's a terrorist. She's not thinking rationally. She just wants revenge on her mom for whatever perceived issues that um, she was <laughs> subject to. So, for being I, a latchkey kid, yeah, to being a latchkey kid. Um, <laughs> so, I, I guess that's the kind of the evil plot. And if it succeeds, it the whole place blows up and she dies along right. with everyone else. And and the doctor and the fam, unless they fix the teleport, yeah. Unless they fix the teleport, yeah. And if 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 not, then it's uh, end of end of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, and unless she can crawl out from the wreckage and regenerate into David Tennant, maybe. Who <laughs> <laughs> some intervention from the cosmic yeah. being for that to happen? Exactly. So, yeah, TK. That's pretty the the drag plot. I mean, the drag would just eat everybody. So that that's also like yeah. everyone dies. So even it's yeah. not even interesting if the evil plot succeeds here. <laughs> I mean, the Dreg's evil plot is to replace all the carbon dioxide with oxygen. How evil is that? Worth noting, like, I mean, it was pretty confused about the the company that I guess runs the resort, which I presumably is Kane. I mean, is Mm. is there a company? I mean, early on they talk about this is a kind of a racket. It's this thing people do. It's like you you bankroll a terraform, or maybe I don't know. Maybe that's her idea. Mm. I think it's like that. I'm going to bankroll the terraform by having a resort and charging a lot for it, which kind of brings up the question why a, a, you're giving away coupons. But regardless, um, mm-hmm. so there's that. So it almost like, it, it, uh, thankfully it doesn't add yet another sort of message or plot to it's way too crowded episode already, but you're almost thinking this is going to be uh, a bit of an anti-capitalist screed uh, as well, that it's like, oh, this this nameless, faceless company has been doing shoddy work about, uh, you know, and just and not really being honest with its customers on this resort, and mm-hmm. that it's that's going to end up. It's like a little bit like um, oh god, what was the Titanic episode, uh, Voyage of the Damned? You know, because that Voyage ends up damned, being yeah. sort of the, mm-hmm. the the big bad in that episode. But then they just yeah. sort of forget about that, and then they sort of say, "Kane, this is Kane's resort. She was going to gift it to Bella," and that yeah. Would, 
And again, like, it's like her I, we didn't resort, spend too but much... she's like head of security. Why would you do? I, yeah. I don't get why is she even what there? Kane is about. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> you're like, again, it's, it's all about the short shrift given to even that relationship and that plot. Like nothing's thought yeah. through. And you, also, you just don't even believe it, you know, when mm-hmm. she reveals that uh, Bella's her daughter or Bella reveals it. And then she just sort of seems to take it in stride and just, okay, whatever the teleports behind you. Mm. There's never a moment where they kind of have a, a mother daughter, even a look, you know, (laughs) and you you just, you're never really buying it. Um, And it's, you know, it just clouds the whole thing. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And you know what else this, I uh, just uh, just to clarify it a little bit more. I uh, I really I want one trope in Doctor Who to die so badly, and that trope is, you know, announcements, patronizing announcements coming over the tannoy in a future location. Just like you know, you please leave this area. You know, this slight menace in the voice. Like, what is this? Just all over the future? Is this a thing? Like, who's doing these announcements? <laughs> Who? They, they got some sort of patronizing AI voice company working. Uh, whose is the voice? I, I kind of don't mind it because I'm feeling like that's becoming more common. Like, I, I live mm. in New York City or close to it, and I take the subway mm-hmm. pretty regularly. And for a long time, you would hear the conductor when they would come on the subway and it would be a real person and be like, you know, the voice, like get out of the doors or whatever. Right. And a few years back, they started having pre-recorded voices, Mm. which I think they still do some of today. I think they pulled back on it because it probably got bad feedback, but that it just feels like that's where we're going. You know what I mean? Automated voices, uh, an automated jobs. I mean, we were just talking about AI. I think this is one of the yeah. things that will increasingly get more canned. And I do think it is a bit of a, a shorthand for the future. Um, and you can do, you can have fun with it too. I remember I'm sort of suddenly remembering bad wolf where mm. some announcer, some canned announcer tells her Seggleston's doctor, he's live on TV. So please do not swear. Um, that was a fun <laughs> yes. bit. So you can, you can have fun yes. with it. Um, you so can, I don't, I don't can, mind, but that much. doesn't feel it like is, they're having fun with it here. Yeah, yeah it's true. a little too common. And uh, but you know what? In my head, Canon, I like to think that the person behind that voice is one Clara Oswald. Oh, and that is, of course, <laughs> the third question you're answering. Where <laughs> is the Clara Splinter? Yeah, so that's that's my thing. I'm I'm putting her in the announcement booth. Mm. So uh, Clara Oswald, as we all yeah. know, splintered in time at the end of the name of the doctor uh, all across the doctor's time stream. And she is probably in every episode we've ever seen, just not visible. So mm-hmm. even though this is in the future of the name of the doctor and the doctor's personal time, um, you know, his time stream, his, her, her, his slash her time stream goes uh, backwards yep. and forwards. I don't think there's any reason Clara couldn't have been splintered forward as well. For our purposes, <laughs> it's very useful to have her to clean up any plot holes. See, I, I feel like maybe this is being mean to the Clara splinter here, but hey, we've done it before, so I'm going to go for it. Um, maybe she's a drag. In fact, maybe yeah. she's the drag leader and <laughs> the act of giving the doctor some oxygen and politely mm. getting in the cage, which again, I felt mm. a little out of nowhere. 
maybe yeah. it's all because it's Clara. Maybe she, yeah, she she's, unfortunately she's a evolved drag. into a drag. Yeah. I can I believe that. Yeah. Um, and the doctor doesn't even acknowledge her. Oh, oh doctor. doctor. Uh, <laughs> don't even recognize Clara. Yeah, this is the problem that, you know, the doctor doesn't recognize Clara anymore, even in drag form. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, let's see how this conversation has influenced our rating, which, of course, uh, leads us to the last question, the final question. The only question that matters for Orphan 55. What did we think of this episode? The Pull to Open rating system, of course, has five ratings. Oh, my. Lots to explain this week. We have, of course, the Dalek, which is the rating we give to a good episode of Doctor Who. The Ogron, which is what we give to a not-so-good episode of Doctor Who. The Professor Hater which we give to a not-so-good episode of Doctor Who, but hey, at least they tried something. Um, at least we learned something. Yep. And oh, they tried something different. also have the <laughs> Viscount Banger, which we reserve for the best of the best. And yes, starting as of last week, <laughs> as of last week <laughs> we have the new latest fifth rating. It is the Fixed Point in Time which yes. we give to episodes that are beyond judgment. That yes, that we, we, we cannot race. We are yes. like River Song on the shores of Lake Silencio. We cannot shoot the Doctor. We cannot criticize. We cannot. And just like me with Destiny of the Daleks, we, we just can't. Uh, for reasons and nostalgia, whatever you call it. But I'd like to think that the fixed point in time is going to be a very, very spare rating. Uh, Peter's already very, mentioned very, that there yep. are there are Doctor Who stories that he would feel that way about. I'm sure that you, the listener, would have your own list of potential fixed points in time that you just couldn't rate if they're bad and you couldn't pretend they're good, but you just want to let them be. Make it a fixed point in time. Uh, so, But very sparingly, this is like, uh, you know, <laughs> we didn't also mention, by the way, the Doctor using her psychic powers on the drag oh, that's to see right. the whole history of humanity. Very sparingly used power. Uh, you know, my kids arsenal. noted that, and it was really mm -hmm. great to see them um, figure out the continuity on their own because they basically mm. saw that. I think Grace brought it up, but I didn't answer with the other examples. I think it was Jack who immediately said, Oh, do you remember in The Girl in the Fireplace? Yeah. And it was like, oh, so yeah. like they, like it was, it was so good to see them as as fans now kind of like, <laughs> oh right, you know, and they're kind of like putting it yes. together on their own. Uh, I love that. Referring to canon, you must be so proud. So proud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what else does want a Doctor Who fan want from their children but referring to other episodes in canon? Love yeah, it. It's like, uh, you well, know, yeah, we don't referring to Doctor Who. That's, you know, one and two right there. <laughs> Well, maybe I don't think we're going to need the fixed. Further down. Indeed. Maybe they, you know, in the future, will anything. use this as a fixed point in time. But no, I think this is clearly this is clearly a bad episode. And I'm not actually, I'm going to give it an Ogron. Um, Look at I don't you. Think it's a, I don't think it's a professor hater. Absolutely mm. irredeemable because they're not trying anything new. Doctor Who has had environmental messages in it before, as we've seen many times in the Pertwee era, even before Planet of Giants uh, in the Hartnell era. Like that's how far back the environmental messaging goes. So 
not trying anything new. In fact, trying something very old uh, with the, you know, the, the sort of the, uh, every part of the tropes here, all of the alien stuff, all of the running around corridors, like it is lazy Doctor Who writing as it, at its laziest. So it is not worth the shiny, twinkly Professor Hater who at least teaches us wow. something. It's Orphan 55 is an Ogron. I'm sorry. Crazy. I, I was tempted to do the Ogron. I, I had a hard time reading this one, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because... I I I know my commentary was very critical, but I I did want to go out of my way with the things that I thought worked. And I I even though you're right uh, uh, on that, it's three kind of different kinds of scripts in one, and it hmm. should have picked one. Um, I think the, uh, chunks of the stuff, particularly as an action thriller, work really well. Um, this is a fast paced episode that gets your blood pumping. Uh, it's very visceral. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. so, um, I give it a decent amount of points for that. Mm -hmm. And I almost went with a Dalek. Uh, and this is more a little bit the influence of my kids because they both kind of liked it and Jack was leaning that way. Um, but I, the ending in particular just ruins it so badly. And it's just such a misread on both just storytelling and Doctor Who itself. It's, it it just crashes and burns like it could, could there's no way i could give this one a, a purely positive rating but i am going to give it a professor hater because i do think there is a good story that could have been told here and i don't think it would have needed too many adjustments you know um i yeah. think and i think we it's instructive to look at orphan 55 i'm not i don't regret watching it again cuz i had more fun this time around particularly getting into the action uh, but it is instructive on sort of how not to do Doctor Who, probably more than uh, any episode that certainly comes to mind, maybe more than any we've ever done. Like, it's like, no, no, this is this. You got it wrong. But I, I respect the 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 parts of the story that do work. Um, mm. So I'm giving it a professor hater. It isn't okay. the worst episode, but you know, it, overall, it, it holds your attention. You know, at least I wasn't bored. I guess, which is not a generous review, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm giving it to you. I I am glad you weren't bored. I, I unfortunately was. Uh, that that's the reason for my ogron. But let us see. Let us climb back into our TARDIS. Now we have closed the book on Orphan Fifty Five, and see if we can go somewhere in Doctor Who history that will not bore us. Uh, and or that anger we can, us. Uh, or anger <laughs> us. Uh, so it is time. It is time to fire up the randomizer. Um, and Pete has one part. He's looking at the codex right now. I hope oh, yes. the entire list of stories that we haven't done with all the fixed points in time removed. Uh, we used to use that to denote uh, the stories that we've been to before. We just bounce off and do it again. Um, but no, now we have a definitive number for the other part of the randomizer, which is random.org, which I have control of, which is using atmospheric noise uh, and levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere to generate a natural random number. Um, <laughs> hey, I just got that connection. Pseudo- carbon dioxide hey. in the atmosphere. There we go. Oh. That's what that's it's bouncing off and, and taking us to carbon dioxide related episodes. Um but yes, it is not the pseudo-randomness of algorithms. It is actual, true, atmospheric randomness. Uh, so, Pete, what is the number? How many stories do we have left? What is the number I'm entering into random.org? Well, we have 226 stories now that I have officially Whoa. 
ticked off Orphan 55 from the list. All right. So the number will be between 1 and 226. And what? I, I, I have to be very careful here because I think the randomizer, <laughs> if, if we're going to plan, a randomizer might be listening to what I'm asking of it this week. Uh, so, Pete, you go first. I'm, I'm going to think hard about my request. What's your request for the randomizer? Well, because Earth was so ill-served here, mm. um, I think I think we need a break from our home planet. Yep. I'd love to yep. go to an episode that just has nothing to do with Earth. Like, take us somewhere <laughs> else. Like, I want a vacation yeah. from Earth. You know, <laughs> I think I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think uh, also a vacation from Earth quarries. Please randomize it. <laughs> no more quarries. No quarries in this. Now that that would be that may be harder. <laughs> be pretty strict but i'm also going to say randomizer please listen to pete because i like that idea I like this idea that we should just go focus on something that has nothing to do with earth at all you know earth is not the most important place in the universe as douglas adams told us it is merely uh well you know disregarded planet on the outer spiral arm of the milky way galaxy there are many more worlds out there let's go to one of them so pete give me a countdown we'll find out where we're going let's do it in four, three, two, one. Fantastic. 193. We are still in oh, New Who. We are. Oh, no. It did not listen to us. Well, it sort of did. I mean, it has to do with Earth, unfortunately. It is Kill the uh -oh. Moon. Oh, no. <gasps> no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. No, no, no. No, that's I mean, all I can on say. The moon. I guess it's not. <laughs> this is, the, but Earth votes. In, oh God! Oh, oh, kill the moon! I, Earth I votes. Wow, this there, is there this is may be up there as as along with Orphan Fifty Five as one of my least liked New Who stories. So I'm going to be <laughs> well, hate watching, hate watching so hard. You're going to get a second chance to judge the show. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, there is voting, but the voting on Pull to Open is going to have to wait a week, everybody. Guys, thank you for listening. This is Pull to Open, the podcast. It's a podcast. You can listen to us on all kinds of podcast apps, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or all those other fine apps that we are available on. Check your favorite podcast app ask a friend to check their podcast app as well and tell them hey there's this great doctor who podcast called pull to open check it out you can also follow them on social pull to open is on tiktok is that tiktok yes pull to open on tiktok yes. pull to open is 63 TikTok? on, TikTok? on twitter over. and instagram pull to open no wait youtube.com slash pull to open on youtube <laughs> We're in all those places. You can leave comments there. You can say hi. You can tell us what you thought of the episode. You can tell us how we don't know anything about entertainment or Doctor Who, science fiction, or what have you. And we would be glad to engage with you on any of those platforms. We will see you next week where we will take a gun to the moon and we will kill it. If no, you do not save the moon. refer a friend, <laughs> review the podcast, listen and rate the show, okay? We will kill that satellite <laughs> no, be warned let's not let's not and say we did all right we'll see you next week for some hate watching of kill the moon bye folks see you bye